arts news from around the area. Welcome to the Creative Cafe, sponsored by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, promoting and supporting the arts, arts organizations, and artists throughout Greater Kalamazoo on 590 and 106.9 FM WKZO. Once again, cloudy 54 degrees in Kalamazoo at WKZO. Good Saturday morning and welcome to this morning's edition of Creative Cafe, a presentation of the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo. As we take a look at the art scene in the Kalamazoo area and, of course, talk with those making a difference in the arts world in this area. I'm your host, Kristen Chesick. Good morning. I'm Kristen Chesick, the Executive Director of the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, and you are with us on Creative Cafe. I have my coffee here this morning with me. And this morning, first off, we're going to talk about On This Day in History. So we have some little tidbits for you. What happened in history on this day, September 24th? In 1786, the African-American slave and poet Jupiter Hammond makes his address to the Negroes of the State of New York speech, advocating emancipation at a meeting of the African Society in New York. In 1884, Dixie Rice and Gill's musical Adonis premieres in New York City. And then in 1928 on this day, George M. Cohen and Ring Larder's musical play Elmer the Great premieres in New York City. Who is Elmer the Great, you might ask? Well, this is a story of a rookie ball player from the Chicago Cubs whose teammates try and teach him a lesson by hiding his hometown sweetheart's letters, which leads to Elmer thinking he's been stood up, and he begins to date on the road. Of course, his sweetheart Nellie shows up to surprise him and finds him in the arms of a glamour actress, which I'm I'm not sure what the difference is between a regular actress and a glamour actress, but it was 1928. Um, and of course, the play with music is not complete without a bribe from a casino owner to throw the World Series. This original show played 40 performances during September 24th and October of 1928 at the Lyceum Theater. And if we've piqued your interest, you can see the film of Elmer the Great. That uh, was filmed in 1933, and it starred Joe E. Brown and Patricia Ellis. Although the reviews of the film indicate that it betrays its original stage origins with too many static scenes and a final rain-soaked baseball game. So I guess we'll have to wait to see if the revival is in our future from a local theater. Also on September 24th, in 1930, Noel Coward's play Private Lives premieres in London. 1955, Catch a Star closes at the Plymouth Theater after 23 performances. If you don't know Catch a Star, it's because it only played 23 performances. 1955 on this day, the Judy Garland special kicks off the anthology performance series of the Ford Star Jubilee on CBS. And in 1957, Jailhouse Rock single was released by Elvis Presley, and it made the song of the year that year in 1957. The Donna Reed Show premiered in 1958 on this day. Ringo Starr forms the Brickley Building Company Limited in 1964. And in 1976, O Calcutta is revived and opens at the Edison Theater. It runs for 5,959 performances, and it is Broadway's longest-running musical review. In 1977, Estrada closes at the Majestic Theater after seven performances. In 1984, Paul McCartney releases his single No More Lonely Nights. In 1995, the TV adaptation of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice uh, is aired, and that 
starred Colin Firth, and it uh, it actually debuted on BBC One, and so I'm sure you could probably stream that now. So Colin Firth in Pride and Prejudice. And then in 2010, The Social Network, which was directed by David Fincher and starring Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, and Justin Timberlake, premiered at the New York Film Festival. So that's what happened on this day, September 24th. Uh, throughout history. We're also now going to go and tell you what's happening now in Kalamazoo. And you're not going to want to miss these things. Tomorrow, or no, actually tonight at 5 p.m., the Kalamazoo Mall City Harmonizers has a cabaret show at the Coover Center. That's 918 Jasper Street. If you have not uh, listened to the Mall City Harmonizers, they're absolutely fantastic. It's an acapella group, barbershop quartet. Um, The theme is Together Again. And in addition to their chorus, they have three quartets that will be singing. And other musical um, works, the Masterworks opening night is uh, tonight, Saturday, September 24th at 7.30. This is the Kalamazoo Symphony Orchestra at Miller Auditorium. Um, No better way to spend an evening than with Tchaikovsky's Dramatic Fourth Symphony. So that's what you can expect to hear tonight if you go to that show. There's a Rising Star concert uh, tomorrow, September 25th, and that is uh, Tony Siki Yun, and that's the Gilmore uh, uh, Keyboard Festival, Piano Festival, and they're going to be at the Wellspring Theater. That's at 4 p.m. on Sunday. And then if you're looking for uh, some old school, next Friday, the 30th, if you're looking for some old school entertainment, and by old school I mean in the last 40 years, the official meatloaf celebration is happening. Uh, that is happening at Miller Auditorium. It's at 7.30. That's next Friday. And you can celebrate the legendary Meatloaf and experience all of his hit songs um, by the Neverland Express. So that has also has the American Idol winner Caleb John- uh, Johnson. So you're not going to want to miss that. The Catalyst Quartet, which Fontana Chamber Arts is presenting, is also next Friday at 7.30, and that's at the Dalton Recital Hall. And if you're looking to get back into going out to see some theater, we've got great theater for you. The uh, Civic Theater has Newsies that's been running for a couple of weeks now. You've got one more weekend to see that. Um, And that's at the Civic Auditorium. They've got shows from Friday through Sunday, 7.30 and 2 o'clock. You can also see The Lightning Thief that opened uh, yesterday and is, um, is playing up there at Western Michigan University. This is the theater department. They're at the Gilmore Theater Complex. Um, it's a Percy, the Percy Jackson Lightning Thief story, but it's a musical. You can also see Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. That is playing at the Farmer's Alley Theater. This is uh, an absolutely hilarious show. That opened last night as well. That's going to be playing for the next three weekends. That's uh, directed and choreographed by Kathy Mulay. And the musical direction is Chris Gray. So you're not going to want to miss that. And then also The Tempest. So Western Michigan University Theater. They will be opening that next Friday. But the, the Tempest, Shakespeare's Tempest. Um, and you're going to want to not miss that as well. And that is what's happening around town in Kalamazoo. When we come back, we will be talking with uh, Alessandra santos Pai about um, her new endeavor called the Chrysalis Institute. All right. Thank you very much, Kristen. And we'll be right back. Creative expression comes in all shapes, styles, and forms. The Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo invites you to get involved in your local arts scene. 
Are you an artist, playwright, actor, musician, or photographer? Do you make your living providing creative connections for others? Or do you engage in artistic expression as a way to fulfill a need to express yourself and share your story? The Arts Council wants to hear from you. For as little as $20 a year, you can become a part of the larger community of your artistic peers exploring resources, collaborations, funding opportunities, and more. As a service organization, the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo has been proud to serve Kalamazoo since 1966. Please visit our website anytime at kalamazooarts.org. That's kalamazooarts.org. Or stop into our offices inside the Epic Center in downtown Kalamazoo. We can't wait to meet you. This message provided by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo. You're listening to The Creative Cafe, sponsored by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo on 590 and 106.9 FM WKZO. Well, good morning and welcome back to The Creative Cafe. I'm Kristen Chesick, the Executive Director of the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, and I have the pleasure this morning of speaking with Alessandro santos Pai. She is the Creative Director of the Chrysalis Institute. Good morning, Alessandra. Good morning, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So you're on Creative Cafe this morning. We like to ask, what is your favorite morning beverage? <laughs> well, I'm sure it's not a very new answer to your audience, but I drink coffee every morning. It's what I need to get my day going. Uh, but I do drink it like Café Con Leite, which is milk and coffee steamed or milk and coffee every single oh, morning so maybe good. there's a little variation here from the norm okay so a little cafe con leche for yes. you in the morning well that's fantastic that's good yeah we all need a little boost in the morning so you're not only the creative director of the chrysalis institute but you're also the founder and i'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what prompted the creation of the institute and what it's about absolutely thank you so much um yeah, so, you know, there's been uh, a pathway of, you know, uh, um, uh, previously unrelated factors in my life that came together pretty clearly over the pandemic. Uh, I'm a psychotherapist. Uh, that is my main profession. That's how I um, show up in the world for most of my working hours. And uh, I also have an art degree and many dreams that went unrealized because of various factors, including, you know, um, access and um, you know later on as I started to enjoy um, hosting space uh, for groups and doing retreats and doing a lot of work that deepens people's experience um, of themselves and other people I started to really make some connections to emerging artists particularly emerging artists of color this all kind of happened around uh, the social uh, unrest um, that was sort of bubbling up around uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and those tragic tragic murders so you know, something became really, really clear, and I like to say that it was something that came through me instead of from me. Um, definitely a wave that I could not have stopped, but a lot of creativity and a lot of writing around the Chrysalis Institute. And I'll tell you a little bit about what it is, right? So yeah. the Chrysalis Institute for Emerging Artists, um, it, the, its main aim is to nourish the creative journey of Black, Indigenous, and people of color um, 
artists. Um, and these uh, cover any all of the major disciplines, multidisciplinary in nature, so music, writing, visual arts, the movement arts, and pretty much any artistic practice. All of those folks are invited to apply to our programs, and in these programs, we really focus on um, self-exploration, self-care, and contemplative practices. So that's basically, um, yeah, those are the foundational concepts of the Crystal Institute. That's fantastic. So it's, it's open to artists, but it sounds yeah. like a very holistic approach. You also have um, a program called the Milkweed Learning Institute, um, which I think you've described it to me before as a cohort-based experience. Can you explain what that is and who that is for? Of course, of course. So the artists that apply uh, to our virtual residency, they are applying specifically to the Milkweed Learning Hub. So the Milkweed Learning Hub is a virtual platform, and it supports our participants' creative trajectory. And we're really trying to take a social-emotional framework that lends itself useful to their creative practice and the way their artistry will be manifested in the world. Mm. So we engage online in lively discussions. We have workshops, book clubs, and there's a lot of room for artists to show up in this cohort um, and have the opportunity to do uh, uh, critiques and get feedback from other artists. And it's a really rich space because it's multidisciplinary in nature and by design. So, you know, there's it's just a very learning-rich opportunity for people of different disciplines to learn from one another mm-hmm. with the common foundational element of them being BIPOC artists, so artists that experience in some degree or another the impacts of systemic factors in their lives creatively and not. Okay, okay. So specifically for BIPOC artists, I think I read somewhere that it was also for emerging artists. Is that true? That is true. Okay. So can, can you talk though, a little bit about what that, yeah, what, ahead, what yeah, can you talk a little bit about what, um, oh, oh, how you would define emerging artist? Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. You know, there's so many, there's so many ways to think about that concept and to, but we needed to define it for ourselves so mm-hmm. that our selection practice process was a little bit more uh, refined and, you know, so that we could um, really hone in into that self-exploration piece with, you know, with a lot of peace, right? So basically, we ask that our artists uh, have the desire to be a professional artist so that their path, the way that they envision themselves in the future is within um, the professional arts field. Um, We also ask that a component of that emerging artist, you know, piece be that they have achieved some sort of professional achievement already. So locally, regionally, or statewide. So that means maybe they demonstrate that they've had some exhibits, that they've had some shows, that they've had uh, some poetry readings and, you know, um, some tracking mechanisms that uh, indicate that they've been working hard at, you know, putting themselves out there and their work out there. They have to be 18 years of age or Mm -hmm. older. And, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. There are no requirements as far as education or anything like that. 
Okay. All right. So an emerging artist, so someone who has a desire to become a professional artist and has a little bit of experience, but maybe looking for this as a launch point for more experience and uh, connection. Absolutely. Is this I'll the first year? Yeah, go ahead. There's, there, there's just a, um, one thing that feels important, too, is that an artist applying for our programs, um, if, if let's say I indicate that I'm a poet, right? And then uh, when I apply to the program, I have maybe only a couple of years of uh, demonstrated uh, practice in poetry, but I have three years of demonstrated practice in painting, for example. We just ask that they decide which one we want to look at, you know, that you come into the program with a focus and um, sort of a, um, yeah, just a a pathway that feels a bit uh, defined. Okay. Is this the first year? For the Milkwood Learning Hub? Yes, we okay. are on our very first programming year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took a lot of time and a lot of consultation to, you know, create something really special that was um, very thoughtful mm-hmm. for the artists. But we already ran the spring cohort, which was beautiful. You know, it's such a such an incredible incredible group of artists. And now we're in just we just started last week the fall cohort, which okay. is already really wonderful and very very promising and how many how many artists do you take uh for each cohort for each session yes so the hope is that we'll take up to eight Mm -hmm. artists but because we're just starting and just kind of getting some things you know we're getting kind of getting our footing underneath us we have four had four artists in the spring and then four in the fall um, but in the future we'll be accepting up to eight up to and that eight. depends on various factors so uh, you know our capacity funding all kinds of things well and it still sounds like I mean even, even at capping it at eight so it's there's an application process and you cap it at eight it sounds like a very individualized and very in-depth experience how do if someone wants to get involved um, where do they go what's the first step how do you how do you reach out to you to start the process. Of course. So if you're an artist and you're interested in applying or checking out our programs, I'd say the first step would be to check out our website, which is www.thecrystallisinstitute.com. So that is the um, the main pa- the main piece, and then also to visit our Instagram page, so the Crystalis Institute. That's the that's the the handle for the Instagram page, and you know those are ways to sort of keep up with what we're doing, keep up with um, submission dates and things like that. Um, and also, you can always send me an email, and I will. I'm happy to to engage and respond to any any questions or make any clarifications. But yeah, if you're an artist, that's the way to go. Go to our website and then go to the Insta page and just follow. Mm-hmm. Um, we're pretty active on there. So okay. And the cohorts are how long? How many weeks do you is the involvement then? Yeah. So each season during the spring season and the fall season, the the cohort runs for three months. Oh, so okay. we'll be wrapping up our cohort in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and no cost to participate. Three, no cost. No cost. It's fully funded. They have a stipend of three hundred dollars to participate in this virtual cohort. They have two meetings per month, so a total of six meetings. And then they have the option to have individual time with me for a little bit of coaching in deepening of the mm-hmm. concepts that we learned in our time together. So anything related to values, identity, self-exploration, you know, the connection to creative practice, mm-hmm. they have the opportunity to d- 
dig into that a little bit more individually with me, but that's only by choice. Gotcha. So the group uh, meetings are required, but all of the individual time that they choose to spend with me is, again, you know, if they want to. Well, it seems like a fantastic experience. Not only are you able to explore deepening yourself as a professional artist, but also in a BIPOC environment, which I'm sure creates a safer space. And also, you were able to get a um, payment. You don't have to pay to do this. You're actually able to receive some funding to be able to make ends meet, to be able to do um, this programming. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, if I Thank if you. I wanted to support your cause, if there's somebody out there listening that says, geez, I want to I want to make sure that this continues into the future. How do we support you? Yes, I love it. Magic to my ears. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So what I've already named, right, so going to the website, following the Instagram page, maybe sharing if you feel like it's relevant to anybody in your life, um, that's always great. I would say that also listening and sharing the Waystation podcast, which is the sort of the culminating experience of the artists that participate in our programs. They get to record uh, podcasts um, outlining, you know, their progress and their creative practice after the the residency. So that's a really cool thing to to listen to. to connect yeah. a little bit more to the work and then also you know we love money so we need it, <laughs> right, to make sure that this thing continues you know it's pretty much passion driven right now mm-hmm. I, I have to have this other job in order to do this you know purpose driven practice um so yeah it'd be really nice to be able to support these artists uh, you know uh, with a little bit more room and a little bit more peace of mind that would be really beautiful um but yes those would be the ways to continue to check out our work um, you know, to donate if you are able. Um, and yes, and I would say just one last piece that we are very, very close to offering a, a physical residency. So the artists that participate uh-huh. in the Milkweed Learning Hub, the uh-huh. artists that come and that, that are able to um, uh, share their interviews in the Waystation podcast will also have a chance to meet and be in person for a few days and have a have a community bonding experience also, and also a personal residency. So that's coming. That's around the corner and support for that would be amazing as well. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you very much for speaking with us this morning. I've been talking with Alessandra Santos Pai. She is the founder and creative director of the Chrysalis Institute. We can't see We can't wait to see what else is to come with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I so appreciate this time and all the support that the Arts Council has provided us thus far. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time this morning to join us at the Creative Cafe. Since 1985, the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo has honored artists, organizations, and businesses in our community that have contributed greatly to the enrichment of our community. If you know any artists, arts educators, arts administrators, volunteers, businesses, or organizations that need to be celebrated for their contributions to the arts, you're invited to nominate them for a Community Arts Award. Submissions are easy to make. Just go to our website, kalamazooarts.org. That's kalamazooarts.org and find Community Arts Awards under the Program tab. Help us to recognize the rock stars in our community. Nominations are open until October 11th, and please remember to save the date. The ceremony will be held on Wednesday, December 7th at 5.30 p.m. at the Gull Lake Center for Fine Arts. Please join us next week for another installment of The Creative Cafe, brought to you by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo.
And again, thanks for tuning in to this morning's edition of Creative Cafe, a presentation of the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo. Make sure you join us again next Saturday morning, same time, first half of the 8 o'clock hour, right here on News Radio 590, 106.9 FM, WKZO.